this episode, we'll be learning life-changing principles that would help us seize control of our current level of happiness from the author of The Sultan's Seven Secrets. He's a mentor, a coach, and the president of JD Burner Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Toby. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited that uh, we were able to connect a little bit before we started recording. And thanks so much for all the words of affirmations that you shared with me and um, <laughs> doing a little bit of research about me and sharing um, yeah, a little bit about that with me. I really appreciate that so much. And I'm like I said before recording, super excited, super delighted to be speaking with you because you went through a life-changing experience that everyone could learn from also, everyone should learn from also, and that's what we're going to be talking in, in much more details in this conversation. So is it possible for you to like, you know, share your life journey with us so far? Like, can you share the story of how your life changed from being a concrete contractor to being who you are today? Sure. You know, everybody wants more control over their life. And I certainly did at the age of 33. I was that guy that you probably didn't even want to get to know, a concrete contractor driving around in my old truck with a wheelbarrow in the back and a bucket of tools. And I was working so hard and still falling behind slowly financially. So that put me in this kind of surly cross mentality. And I probably wasn't very fun to be around, and I don't think anybody really wanted to get to know me that much. Because the frustration came from seeing other people having what I wanted and just feeling like it was out of my reach. I was trapped. I couldn't even afford to quit being a concrete contractor because of all the debt. You know, I had debt coming. What? you know, bills coming at me. So there was no time to stop because I was trying to finish this job to pay for the materials on a job. I did three back, you know, I was just really trapped. Oh, yeah. And how are you able to like, you know, go from being in so much debt, getting so much bill, what happened? You know, what's, what was that pivotal moment in your life for you? I did something I knew I shouldn't do. I complained to a total stranger uh, she owned the home we were working on that day. It was a beautiful home. She was elderly, but very approachable and elegant. Her husband was a really cool guy. And they embodied everything I wanted out of life, but couldn't see a way to get. And as she talked to me, I tried to relay that to her. And I was trying to ask her, you know, how do I do it? But what it turned out to be was me complaining about my situation, how trapped I was, how tired I was, how hard everything was. And right in the middle of that conversation, she turned and walked away. And I was so embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> I felt like I found my idol and then blew it by uh, showing her my, my side, you know, my life. But a few minutes later, she came back and placed a manuscript in my hands. And in that moment, I had no idea that my prayers for a better life had just been answered. I actually thought, lady, I don't have time to read anything 
you know, I'll get home tonight at 7.30, I'll wolf down my dinner, shower, and fall into bed exhausted just to get up at 5.30 the next morning and do it all over again. But I did read the first page that night and ended up staying up all night long reading all of it and uh, studying it and taking notes. You know, back then, this was uh, 19, what, 93. So I didn't have a copy machine in my home like I do today. So I didn't copy it. I just made handwritten notes. Oh, she asked me to return it to her the next day anyway, so I didn't have time to copy it. I wish I had now. Yeah. <laughs> so you just made some some notes from everything that you read from the manuscript, and, yeah. and that, that was what you were able to use to you know change your life and turn your life around. Well, you're not going to believe this story. This manuscript tells the story of a real man in history named Sultan Musa of Mali. Have you heard of this guy? Yes, I've, I've heard of, about him, like in the list of richest men who have ever lived, for example. But I never really heard this story before. I never really know what it's about. He has the distinction of being the wealthiest man to ever live. Now, I don't know who they're comparing him to, but to put this in perspective, he was richer than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos combined. And this was back in the 1300s in West Africa. This guy, and he wasn't just wealthy. He was unbelievably successful in every aspect of life. His uh, marriage was a love affair for, you know, the, the ages. His loyalty, his goodness and kindness and generosity. He actually is in the history books for giving away so much gold to the poor people who ran out to uh, just kind of see his impressive caravan as he made his way to Mecca, he gave away so much gold that it temporarily collapsed the Egyptian economy. This is how generous this guy was. It took about two years for the economy to come back. Just from him, <laughs> one guy, you know. Mm, yeah, yes, yes. And I, I'm so glad that you 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 packed all of his secrets into your wonderful book, which is called The Sultan's Seven Secrets. Uh, so, can you like you know tell us about your book and the greatest story never told? Greatest story never told, and it's really a crime that it isn't taught everywhere. Is the rags to riches story? of Sultan Musa of Mali, but really how he did it. When he was a young man, he wasn't very, he wasn't educated. He had no father. He was just out on the streets trying to figure it out. And so you can't hold him to any kind of judgment that we think of, you know, he should have done something better, but he was a thief. He had to be. He stole food to stay alive. He had no safety net, no opportunity at all. And an older thief convinced him to be part of a heist, which was a successful heist. But uh, Musa, <laughs> the older thief locked him in a cave, sealed him in a cave and left him to die instead of, uh, you know, sharing the wealth with him. And so he did die. 
he had what we call a near-death experience. And in this experience, while he was locked in the cave, he came out of his physical body, but he was still very much alive. And he writes all of he wrote all of this down. He encounters a man made of light and love. And this man made of light teaches him how the world works, teaches him how creation works. Well, he also tells him that he has to go back, that he has a work to do among his people and assures him that he'll get out of the cave, which miraculously Musa does. He gets out of the cave. He staggers to a stream. He's almost dead with dehydration. He's been in the cave for three plus days. And you think about it. His physical situation in that moment was worse than anyone you know. I mean, you think you got problems? Let's look at his. He was fatherless. He had no opportunity or safety net, no nothing to look forward to, no education, no skills. And now he was a criminal. He had just wiped out the fortune and all of the wealth of an entire family, committing all of them to terrible poverty. And he's carrying that guilt. But in his heart, he carried a priceless secret. Basically, these principles, which I call the seven secrets, and he used them to totally turn his life around. He lifted himself out of poverty with these secrets, but also later lifted the entire Mali kingdom out of poverty. It's said that he started construction on a new school every Friday. And this was before he was sultan. He was just incredibly wealthy and successful. And in these schools, he taught these principles. And it's these principles that expanded the kingdom, made it happier, more prosperous in every way, and really, uh, you know, got it into the history books, the change from a poor, warring nation to a productive, cooperative, really rich country, nation, kingdom is a better word. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm really looking forward to learning these principles from you. The five secrets I also listed in your book too. Um, this book is available on Amazon and on your website also. I'm going to place a link in the show notes of this episode. But you know, while you were talking about this, I'm sharing this story in a bit. Um, I just got this like, there's a kind of reflection or similarity between your own story and his own story. Like, you know, he was a fatherless boy in from West Africa, poor. Apart from the crime that he committed, you were also a concrete, you know, <laughs> a concrete con- a concrete contractor in debt. And, you know, with these principles, you were able to change your life. You found the manuscript, the man of light gave him the principles <laughs> and he was able to become a sultan from that, become the wealthiest man who has ever lived. And you also... Uh, who you are today, you know, wealthy and in abundance, basically. So can you like reveal these secrets to us? Can you tell us, can you walk us through the, the five secrets, that, sorry, the seven secrets that you, you listed in your book? Let me talk about three of them, because once you have these three, you have the basics. And then the other four 
Well, number five is the real magic, but you have to understand the first three before that, before you can really get into that. So I want to tell you one thing. Sultan Musa of Mali is also the actual author of the well-loved fairy tale, Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. And he wrote that as a metaphor for his own life. And Antoine Gallant, who published it, was honest about that. He said he never wrote it. He got it from a Syrian fisherman, two parchments. One was the fairy tale. The other was an interpretation of the fairy tale. And it contained all of the teachings of the man made of light. It contained something called the language of the gods. And when you speak this language, the world obeys your commands. It just does. And that language was in the manuscript. But Antoine Gallant never published the second manuscript. He only published the fairy tale. And he wrote about why the second manuscript talked about uh, you know, two bodies, two minds, near-death experience, God, all these things that kind of ran contrary to the world he lived in in the 1600s. Uh, you know, you got to keep in mind, people were still burned at the stake for the crime of heresy in the 1600s in Europe. So he didn't publish that second uh, parchment. But he himself went on to experience unbelievable success and fame even. And the fairy tale, you think about how widely loved and dispersed that fairy tale is. And a man wrote it in the 1300s with the idea in mind to share these principles with everybody. He, he received these as a tremendous gift. And loved the man made of light. He just wanted to follow him, do what he would do, honor him. And part of that was sharing these principles. And that's exactly how I felt when I got it. I wanted to share them with everybody. Of course, my best efforts were to just share them one-on-one -on -one with anyone who seemed interested. But now with all the technology, uh, you know, you can get out to a lot more people, and I have an obligation to do that. Mm. Yes. You, you talked about the, the language of, of the gods. Can you tell us what that is? What was that all <laughs> yeah. about? It sounds crazy, but it is so simple that when you understand it, it may tick you off a little bit that you haven't seen it a long time ago. To explain this, I've got to go to the fairy tale. Now, why would he why would he embed his secrets in a fairy tale? To save his own life. He couldn't just come out in the 1300s in West Africa and say, hey, I died yesterday and then I came back to life. And by the way, I met God who taught me things that none of our learned scholars know anything about. You know, that is a way to get in a lot of trouble. Even when you're sultan, you can get in trouble if you start sounding crazy. So he wrote the fairy tale. He put the elements in the fairy tale. And then he would use that to teach these concepts. And if anyone had a problem or anyone called him out, 
he would say, hey, just relax. It's a it's a story. You know, it's a great story. And, and I'm just using my wisdom to kind of fill in what I think it means. So he was very wise, very cagey, clever. So let's go to the fairy tale. There are, there are four main elements, and I want to talk about the first three. Yeah. The first element is, of course, Aladdin, this poor kid who's really struggling. And that represents you, me, all of us, but it represents our conscious mind, the entity we think of as us. And we each have a unique personality that we think of as, you know, that's us. That's who we are. But if you stop and think about it, you've been told since you were a little boy who you are. You've been pushed into believing who you are. But let's skip that for now and go to the second element, which is this all-powerful genie who can get you anything you want if you know how to summons him. Well, how do you summons him? Well, that takes you to the magic lamp, which is the most important part of the story that changes everything for Aladdin. The magic lamp represents the language of the gods, but it represents more than that. It's the understanding of this language. It's an understanding of the genie that, by the way, represents something Musa called the veiled mind, or we know it as the subconscious mind. Thankfully, we can relate to that concept. Your subconscious mind is the mechanism that is controlling your life. It's steering you exactly where it thinks you're supposed to go. But who told it? Who told it what to believe about where you're supposed to go? You did. And I'm going to tell you how. Not with, the, not with the words that come out of your mouth. Your subconscious mind is aware of everything you say, but it's not programmed. It doesn't obey and it doesn't listen to the words that come out of your mouth or the thoughts you think. Again, it's aware of them, but it doesn't obey your thoughts. It operates on a much more simplistic type of a, a mechanism, and that is your feelings. Feelings is the language of the gods. Feelings is represented by the magic lamp, but understanding how it works. So here's how it works. I'm just going to tell you and your listeners right now. Yes, please. Your subconscious mind has been programmed. Stop thinking of it as a passionate entity. It's not. It's, more, it's a mechanism. It's like a computer that gets programmed. But it's so much more powerful because it's connected to everything in the universe. It's connected to other people's subconscious minds. It's connected to all wisdom, all knowledge. It has access to everything you want, but it will only bring it to you when you set the frequency right, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's also connected to God. And one of the first things I tell people when I teach them this, you know, is that this all goes back to the man made of light. And the quicker you accept uh, that that's real, that there is a uh, 
You know, there's a God, whatever name you want to put on him, if you just want to think of him as a higher power or, but that's the first thing Musa learned is that uh, a higher power absolutely exists and that his spirit body, not the one back in the cave, the physical pod body, uh, you know, that when the, the spirit body pops out of the physical due to injury or disease or any reason why the physical can't be inhabited by a spirit anymore, the spirit body just pops out. And that's what Musa did. But he realized he was still very much alive and it's his spirit body that has the life and the power of life and the intelligence. And it keeps going. It's immortal. It never dies. And it's a child of God, literally. When you accept that, you become happier instantly. You, you recognize a value in yourself and in others that uh, isn't there if you don't accept that. But you don't have to accept any of that to put these principles in practice. For example, speaking the language of the gods. You don't have to accept the source. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Musa. But if you do it, you'll get the results. You'll see it. You'll see the evidence. Let I, I just feel like I, you know, I set up, teed up. I'm going to tell you how this language of the gods works, and then I never got to it. <laughs> but before we get to the language of the gods, um, you, 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 there are some questions that I want. To, I would love to ask from what you've been saying okay. so far. You said. Our subconscious mind is controlled by our feelings. Yes. And then I want to know, how can we then control our subconscious mind through our feelings? So that means, how can we then control our feelings in order to be able to control our subconscious mind? And um, you talked about the frequency also. I would love you to um, maybe go deeper into that to know how we could raise our frequency, make our frequency high so that we can achieve great things. Okay, now we're getting into it. <laughs> Your subconscious mind is the mechanism that controls your life. And it does it based on what it believes to be true about you. And you're the one who has told it what to believe from the time you were a little child on and you're still doing it. In the language of feelings, you speak to your subconscious mind in feelings. And it speaks back to you in feelings, impressions, ideas, attitudes, motivations, all of that. It's always speaking to you, and you're always speaking to it. And this is how it controls you. It believes, for example, that you're supposed to be, uh, pick anything, wealthy or poor. If, if it believes that you're supposed to be poor, you can, you can have uh, all kinds of opportunity around you, but you won't see it. You won't participate in it. You won't believe in yourself enough to grasp it and move forward, make a plan, get into action. None of that. Because when you think of starting your own business and your subconscious mind believes that you can't, you're not supposed to, it will flood you with feelings of doubt and fear and concern. But somebody who's programmed subconsciously to be wealthy, they get the exact opposite. They get flooded with feelings of excitement and possibility and, and opportunity, and they start seeing those very feelings generate 
the situations and circumstances which propel them forward. And sure enough, opportunity does open up. You know, possibilities do open up. They do meet somebody who has the other half of the business plan. Okay, so if you accept that, let's go back to, let's say I'm programmed to be poor, which basically I was at 33, not to be broke poor, but I had a subconscious belief that the only honorable way to make money was with hard physical labor, working for it. Now, I can go into why. I grew up in a small farm town. We bragged about how hard we worked all the time, and we looked down on other people who made their money without working for it. We called them pitch men and slick willies, and we had all kinds of names for them. So here I come into adulthood with all these subconscious beliefs. And by the way, all of your subconscious beliefs were set by an event or a series of events accompanied by strong human emotion. But here's the thing, that's nothing's changed. That's still how subconscious beliefs are formed. So if you understand this, you have your magic lamp. You can generate feelings, strong emotion, that matches the life you want. You know, if you're poor, let's go back to that example, and you've got this big stack of bills you can't pay, and you just got fired from your job again, and you got, you know, your car's broken down, you're poor. Well, your reality is dictating how you feel about money, opportunity, finances, all of it. Well, if what I'm saying is true, then feelings are a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you're looking at your reality, makes you feel bad about money, and your subconscious mind is hearing those feelings, it's the language of the gods, and believing them. It never doubts your feelings. Its job then is to keep your life congruent with your predominant feelings about any aspect of life. So you're going to stay poor. How do we know this? Well, poor people win the lotto. They get $100 million. Three, five years later, they don't have a nickel of it. What happened? Well, they're subconsciously programmed to be poor, so they do what poor people do, and they spend it all or lose it or put it in a bad investment. Well, who ends up with it? The individual who's programmed to be wealthy. He comes along, starts snapping it up, you know. Okay, so what do you do if you're programmed to be poor, but you'd like to be programmed to be wealthy? All right. The only way to do that is to flood your subconscious mind with positive feelings about wealth. And I mean bury it in, in the feelings that match how a wealthy person would feel. So you can't look at your reality to do that because that'll make you feel bad about money. So where do you go to feel good about money? Here's the magic. Every one of us has a God-given superpower, really, and that is to imagine and pretend 
And Toby, you were so good at it as a child. You could get lost in a make-believe world forever. And that's how you pretty much learned everything. And in fact, during those hours of childhood play, a lot of your core beliefs and aspects and attributes were formed. You know, if you played, you were the sheriff, you were the good guy. Well, the other kid is playing. He's the bad guy, you know. So <laughs> a lot of your personality was formed. But then you ask, well, why then didn't your life turn out exactly like your childhood playtime? And the answer is you were taught to quit pretending, to quit daydreaming. You were told to get your head out of the clouds, to get with reality, get with the program. You know, you need a dose of reality therapy. You heard all this stuff. And these are well-meaning people in your life, your parents, teachers. They needed you to get with their program for your own good. And they had to get you to quit using your superpower to do it. It stood in the way of their program. Okay, that's fine. But now you're the adult. You get to decide what your life is. And you can do it very easily once you understand these seven secrets. The trick, and you're free to do it. Nobody can stop you from doing it. And that is to dream up the life you want. Now, as you get lost in these daydreams, how do you feel? I mean, let's imagine for a second that you pretend to have all the money you could ever want, and you get lost in it like you did as a kid in a daydream where you can, you can imagine finding treasure and you throw open the big treasure chest and it's filled with gold coins and you start counting them and realize that each coin is an ounce and an ounce is $2,000 and you, you think there's millions of these coins in here and you just start getting lost in it. Well, you know that this imaginary scenario isn't real, right? You're just making it up. But what about the feelings it's generating? Are those real? Yeah, you better believe yeah, it. Yes. And your subconscious mind is listening. So it, it believes your feelings. So as you generate this crazy, outlandish, make-believe daydream, Pay attention to the feelings and just know your subconscious mind hears them. And if you persist in this, if you do enough of it, you may never find a whole chest of gold coins but because it's not concerning itself so much with the imagery you use to generate the feelings, but it's listening to the feelings. So it will, as soon as it believes, oh, more of this type of feeling is supposed to be integrated into Jeff's life. It goes out and finds circumstances, situations. It creates opportunity. It will bring you to new people, new situations, new videos, new books. And it will bring to you the ideas and impulses and things that you should do that will lead you to situations that match those feelings, starting with the low-hanging fruit. Something weird might happen, like your mom call and say, hey, I came into just a little bit of money. I want to give you a thousand bucks, you know, just because I love you. 
well, how does it make you feel when someone gives you a thousand bucks or 5,000 bucks or, you know, it makes you feel. Yep. And those feelings match what you're doing when you generate that imaginary scenario of finding treasure or getting, you know, unexpected money or building a business that generates millions of dollars a year. So you, my book teaches you to focus on the feelings. The whole idea is to learn to generate feelings that match the life you want and avoid feelings that match the life you don't want. Generate feelings that match the life that you want. And this comes in a form and way, for example, like, you know, bombarding ourselves with good things, things that we, we want actually for our lives. If you want to build a mansion, then surround yourself with visuals about mansions, I believe, right? Perfect. Or watch videos about maybe architectural digest, for example. Exactly. <laughs> Look at how mansions and get ideas and your, your mind and your feelings are then flooded with these positive yeah. pictures. And go a step further. Plan it. Start tearing out pictures or finding pictures on, on Google Images and narrow it down to the perfect home for you, the perfect dream home, so that it becomes something that feels somewhat plausible. Like, I'm not going to build, you know, a huge castle like uh, Neuschwanstein in Germany. But if I like that architecture and that turns me on, then I might take some elements from that and bring it down to a 3,000 square foot home that looks kind of, you know, European and has maybe steep pitched roofs and some stone and something I love, but is also starting to feel like, hey, if I, you know, really went to work and I did some things right, I could have that. And how would it feel? Then you get lost in it. Go live in it. Walk through those big wood doors and walk around in your new little mini castle and you'll generate the feelings of having it. Now, right at this moment, people are thinking, oh, yeah, so you plan, you decide what you want, you plan for it, and then you just go to work and try to grind it out. Okay, yes and no. There's an element of magic to this so that as you get lost in daydreams or you build really beautiful daydreams that get you excited, especially the more plausible ones, what happens is... Yes, you'll start planning and your subconscious mind, once it buys into it, will start telling you what to do to get us one step closer. But here's the magic part. It will go out and get and find the things that you need. It, it already knows, Toby, it already knows the, the next million dollar idea that would work for you. It already knows where your next business partner is or your next uh, solution to your health problems or the solution to your relationship problems. It already knows all of that. But when you match up the language of feelings with a solution to your health problems by using your superpower, your ability to imagine and pretend that things are the way you want them to be right now, it then... You're feeding your subconscious mind. You're, you're literally typing in a new program. You're telling it what to believe. And it does every time. It believes your feelings. It never doubts them. 
And if you persist, it will then wake up and say, oh, uh, well, here's the reality. Its job is to keep your life congruent with what it believes, and you're telling it what to believe in the language of feeling. So once it believes something else that doesn't match up with your current reality, it has to close that gap. It cannot stand that gap. Now, at first, when you start feeling feelings that don't align with your reality, the first thing it will do is tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, Toby, calm down, man. Hey, why are you feeding me these feelings? That's that's not you. That's not, you know, your whatever. So, hey, you know, calm down. But if you persist, if you understand how it works and you persist, there's a point at which it says, okay, I've tried to get you to come back to your old role and you're not doing it. So, all right, let's get going on this new role. And then once it buys into it, you've got your conscious mind and your subconscious mind aligned with the direction, the destination you want to get to. Toby, you can literally dictate future events. And when you speak this language of the gods correctly, not only are you going to have fun immediately, you start waking up every day anticipating this new day like a kid anticipates Christmas. But you know you're going to get there because it will start setting waypoints along the way to that destination, you're setting them like a GPS. You're telling it what to go create, and it will. And so if you do this, you will see weird coincidences pop up that match exactly what you've been telling your subconscious mind, your inner genie, in the language it obeys, and... Uh, in the metaphor, remember, Aladdin and the magic lamp, Musa tells us that the genie, your subconscious mind, only says two things. One is a question, what is wanted? What do you want? And the other is, your wish is my command. But here's the thing, it's always asking, what do you want? It's asking right now, and you're always answering, but in the language of feelings. So how do you feel right now about your relationships? How do you feel about your financial opportunities? How do you feel about your health and fitness? How do you feel about everything? And you can know exactly what your subconscious mind believes about any of those aspects by simply thinking about them and paying attention to how you feel because it's telling you who you are in the language of feelings. When you think about your marriage or your partnership or your uh, anything, you know, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your kids, but let's take a, a partner, a committed relationship, and you think about your partner you're going to instantly be flooded with feelings. Those feelings might be super positive, like just content and happy and blessed. Or you might feel a little bit of rejection or anger or who knows what. 
negative feelings about your relationship. But this you can take to the bank. Whatever you're feeling, life is going to bring you more of it. Your own all-powerful genie is going to bring you more of it. It's going to keep your life congruent with your predominant feelings about any aspect of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful, Jeff. And now I understand even much more better what you wrote in the book. You wrote, imagination is a key to reality. And you just explained it all to me right now. <laughs> that's so awesome. But, but you, know, you know, once we have this imagination in our head, okay, I'm, 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 I'm imagining I'm going to be maybe very super wealthy. I'm going to be successful. But my reality is not yet matching up with my imagination. How can I stay consistent and encouraged or motivated to keep on imagining these wonderful things and not, you know, go back to the programming that our teachers or parents taught us like, oh, get your heads out of the cloud and just face reality. <laughs> well, what you just asked a, a really powerful question. Because when you decide that you want a life that doesn't match your reality, you are going to be bombarded with feelings first of, hey, that's not you. You can't do it. Other people can, but you don't have the same education. You don't have the same capital. You don't have the same father. You don't, and it will it'll flood you with all these reasons why you can't. Here's the reality, and I explain this in my book, because I've spent 28 years developing the techniques and games and tricks and hacks that work, because the reality is your subconscious mind loves to play certain games, but it won't participate in other things. So take affirmations, for example. If you're poor and you sit there and you say, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. Well, your subconscious mind is con in control of everything. It knows that you're doing that because you're not rich. And, you know, you want to be, but you're not. So it won't, you won't change anything by doing that. However, there's a version of that where you slow down and you ask the right question. And here's the right, one of the right questions. What would it feel like to have, you know, pick a number, $100,000 cash in a shoebox under my mattress or in a tin can hidden in the backyard or $100,000 in the bank, all mine, taxes paid, doesn't have to go to bills, that's my money. How would that feel? Your subconscious mind loves this game and it will flood you it will send you the feelings that match that, having 100,000 under your mattress. And you can know exactly what that would feel like. So when you learn the games and hacks that work, you can change your life very rapidly. And here is the beauty of it. You don't have to wait until something has changed in your physical realm to feel great about the aspect of life that you're trying to change. Because as you get lost in these beautiful daydreams, you feel like you have it right now, and you have faith and knowledge that those feelings, those great feelings, are exactly what is going to prompt the change. 
Now, of course, in the book, I talk about, you know, you have to hone in. Like if somebody says, okay, $100 million, that's what I want. Well, you haven't quite done the work to know for sure that that's really what you want. And I can tell you that there's an amount of money that was too much for me. And I actually had to use the seven <laughs> secrets to turn the tap down a little bit because that didn't match what I wanted when I imagined having lots of money. But if you'll take the time to try on a whole bunch of daydreams and then get to the ones that make you feel great and seem somewhat plausible. That's where the magic is. Because it's great to see yourself on the top of Mount Everest and pretend that you're looking around and, and feel what it would be like to you know, achieve that accomplishment. But you're not going to get there until you come back and commit yourself to that dream. If that really turns you on, if you can say, okay, that is part of my lifestyle now. I'm going to do that. Then you start living the lifestyle. You get your subconscious mind engaged. You commit to, I'm going to climb Mount Everest. So what's the next step? Well, the next step, your subconscious mind, once you buy it buys into it, it'll, it'll tell you loud and clear what to do next. Hey, Let's get up at six o'clock in the morning. Let's go for a, a five mile walk, you know, and then let's turn that into like, uh, you know, up a hill uh, more quickly. And you, as you stare at this far off event that turns you on, can't be one that's just, oh, I would love to have eight mansions. But then when you really think about it, you know, you're not willing to pay the price to have eight mansions. But if you say, you know what? I want to live in a really great neighborhood, this neighborhood, and or one just like it. And I want to have a cute little cottage just like that one. And you really buy into it. You create the feelings of owning it. And you know, those are the right feelings for you. Those are the right dreams for you. Now you wake up and, and I'll get to this triggers. You create triggers for yourself. That means you create dream sheets and dream boards and even music. You bring in anything, plans. You start planning this beautiful cottage. And as you look at your plans and your dream sheets, it generates the feelings of having it. That creates motivation, excitement. And now you think, okay, how much of a down payment would I have to have? And, and what kind of a savings plan do I need to put into place right now so that I can go plop that down payment uh, down at the bank and get the loan to build this home? And now you're, you're, you're enacting your plan and your subconscious mind is going to tell you, once it believes in it, it'll start bossing you around. You'll be driving down the street and you'll get this impression to pull over and talk to somebody or go in a business or go into, uh, onto a construction site and talk to them about this beautiful cottage they're building. And the next thing you know, you're going to be led step by step by step to having that cottage that you feel, but also have committed to. Same with any business, same with your physical fitness and you know you can do it as you look around. You see people who 
have achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve, uh, be it in fitness or business, finance, uh, relationships, they have it. You know, you can see these like ripped people who are out jogging and they're in great shape. They're very happy about their body. They love it. And if you talk to them, a lot of times they'll tell you that it started with uh, seeing someone else who had what they wanted and just deciding, I'm going to commit to that. I need that. That's something that I want so badly. And they start pulling pictures of people who are fit. They start watching videos. They And they get there. And sometimes it's almost freaky how much easier it is to get there than they thought it was going to be because they learn hacks. They run into someone who says, Oh, what? You're not doing this, dude. You got to do this. And then, you know, you won't. Even <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're there. And that's exactly what happened to me. I went from being a $60,000 a year concrete guy to being led right to another old friend of mine that I hadn't seen for quite a while, but he had the second half of a great business and together within a relatively short period of time, uh, I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in a new business I was good at. It was right down my alley. I was a natural. So was he at his half and we combined forces and made a lot of money. But the reality is it just fell into my lap once my subconscious mind bought into that dream and, and I created those feelings of having that kind of business, creating that kind of money, my subconscious mind led me right to him, led us right to everything else we needed. And it's a lot easier than you think it's going to be. Because of your genie, though, you know, not because Aladdin goes and just grinds it out and figures it out. It's because the genie goes and gets it. And you can command your genie. <laughs> yes, yes. So once we're, once we're able to put our feelings under control, we're able to have that our subconscious mind, you know, creating things that we want for our own lives. Like basically, you know, um, it's just like making God... Um, make things work out for our good like we, we wish for it we desire for it and then everything begins to fall into place for us basically in life yes and here's the beauty you know you're not going to start out and i didn't start out uh being able to feel millions of dollars i started out my first number was eighty six thousand dollars that's all i could believe in and i when i hit on that number i knew it was my next step number it got me excited I'd never had that kind of money in the bank, all mine before, but it was plausible. I could feel that if things, you know, fell into place a little bit, I could have $86,000 all my own. And then I created triggers, you know, like I had a checkbook that I would put my hand on. It's just one of those blue plastic checkbook covers, but in that bank account, I imagined I had $86,000 and I would feel it, feel how good it felt to have that money. And I would give thanks for it, like in advance. And I just felt it. And I did that several times every single day. But it wasn't work to do that because it made me feel so good, so happy. 
that it was almost like, you know, it was easier to do it than not do it. And I did that. I picked five things. I don't know if you, five things that I uh, had honed down my dreams to where they were really exciting and plausible. And that's where the magic is. But I teach all that in my book. I teach you exactly how to try on dreams, how to get to the right dreams. And when you know that you're at the right dreams, that you can commit to them, these new dreams become your magnificent obsession, your reason for living, your purpose. And you can commit to it. This becomes like a guy who decides I'm going to have a great physique. Initially, there's all this, oh, geez, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can go without donuts. I don't know if I can put that much time into the gym. But as you get doing it, every little thing your subconscious mind tells you to do that you do, you now can see, you can believe it a little more. You're getting closer and closer and you're getting more and more excited. And it just leads you there. But the whole thing starts with the right dreams. And you're free to do that. Nobody is tough enough to stop you from doing this. And there's no downside to building these beautiful daydreams that are plausible that you could see happening if things, you know, worked out a little bit for you. And then you buy into them and you start uh, feeling them. And this is the trick. This is My book teaches you how to uh, seize control of your feelings because that's how you seize control of your life. But anyone can do it. And you can seize control of your future. Yes. You start with something small, but when you see the coincidences that start popping up, that's the evidence of your subconscious mind that's connected to everything. It's all powerful. It really is. It's the evidence that it's on board and bringing you what you need and leading you there. And when you do it with something small, then you can believe in something a little bigger. And the next thing you know, you can believe in anything. It's like yeah. once you ride a bike, uh, you can not ride a bike for a year or two years, 10 years. But if you go out and you need to ride a bike and there's the bike and you know where you're going, you jump on it and start you know, pedaling. And this is the same way. Once you understand it and get good at it, get over that hump of your subconscious mind trying to get you to stay in your current role, which I can teach you to do so easily, then you have faith in the process. You understand. You just know. It's not even believe. You know that you're the one telling your the mechanism that controls your life and navigates it exactly where to take you. And that's what you do for the rest of your life. That's your new lifestyle. Just like a guy who's in great shape, he's living the lifestyle of a guy with a great physique, and he loves living that lifestyle. It's not work. It's all aligned with his dreams. So he loves working out. He loves skipping the donuts. He loves eating his diet and getting to sleep at night because it all feeds into his dream life. Does yes. that make sense? And it becomes his own. Yes, and it becomes his own reality. It makes total sense. Yes, yes, yeah. And I, I think this also explains the act of receiving. Also, like once we can have, once we can master or seize the control over our feelings, then we can also, you know, 
have that dominion over the act of receiving that we always get what we need or desire or want for our life to become who we want to be in life. That's the seventh secret, receiving your gifts. See, people are taught to think that if you live long enough, you might experience one miracle in your life. But the reality is it's all a miracle. You're a miracle. The fact that you can see with your eyes, that you can breathe the gases around you without keeling over dead, that the earth is just the right distance from the sun so we don't freeze. But if it was any closer, we'd burn up. The fact that seeds are planted and grow into food, it's all a miracle. And if you receive... You see life that way. You start to receive all of your gifts and you see how, what a miracle it is that you're even here. And as you do that, receiving with thankfulness aligns you with the art of receiving more. So as you start to see the world as a miracle and all these gifts, these miracles that have already happened for you, it's really easy to believe in one more and then another one and another one. And you can literally, with Secret 7, create a steady flow of miracles coming into your life. And you don't see them as weird anymore. You just expect them the same way you expect the sun to come up in the morning. But you're in, you're in control. You know, go back to the very first secret. Your spirit body that animates your physical body, and we all know this is true because we've all experienced death in one way or another. We've seen people, or at least in the movies, there's this animated person. And then they're not animated anymore. It's like, what happened? That's just a lifeless lump of tissue. Well, the spirit body left. And that's the one with the life, not the physical. And when you start to understand this, you are a child of God, literally. And what is God if not a creator? So what do children do? They grow into some version of their parents. You're a junior creator now, and you're just learning how. You're off at school learning how to use your powers that's what you're doing. But you're doing it. You're, you, people create. I mean, look around you, what people create. And you do it every day. Even if it's just as simple as a bowl full of cereal with milk poured over it and a spoon stuck in it ready to eat, it all starts by answering the question, what do you want? And then imagining, oh, that's I, I feel like cereal. And then as you imagine the cereal and you imagine yourself eating it, even though your subconscious mind does that very quickly, it feeds you a, uh, an impression of how tasty that cereal will be and that cold milk. And the next thing you know, you're moved to action to go get the bowl down and get the cereal out. And then you're eating it. And you've achieved your dream without ever stopping to think of the process of how you got from just thinking about what you want for breakfast to having eaten your delicious bowl of cereal for breakfast. But you can extrapolate that out to everything in life. There's nothing that you want to commit to because it fits you perfectly and it's exciting that is outside of your reach. Nothing. Hmm. No. Yes, that's a 
wonderful message of hope that you're sharing with us, Jeff. Like you can create that life that you desire, that life that you deserve, life of happiness, life of fulfillment, life of purpose. It, can, it is possible. There's nothing that's out of your reach, basically. Once you can master your feelings, see the control over your feelings, your subconscious mind is going to be under control too, and everything will begin to work for you, basically, in life. I can boil it all down to this kind of final statement. Feelings are self-fulfilling prophecies. So be careful what you're feeling. Take charge of what you're feeling. Learn how to seize control of that mechanism that is steering your life. And then life becomes the greatest treasure hunt, the greatest adventure you can ever imagine. And that's how you should live life. And by the way, if you haven't been living life, let me give you a word of uh, encouragement. If you haven't been living life this way, and you're still in that you know, frustration, you might be 50, 60 years old, or even 20 years old, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about how much frustration or anything that you felt, because that is literally a necessary foundation for you to accept this new lifestyle, this new way of living, this new understanding. You have to have that. I don't even try to teach this to 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds because they haven't had enough life experience, enough frustration or pain to really grasp it. So it's something of a waste of time. I mean, not completely to teach them how to use their imagination and build their dreams, but no, I'm out looking for the people who, well, I'll just, I'll be honest here. I got to be a little careful, but a lot of the people that are drawn to me and I start talking to them, Many, many, many times they will tell me, thank you so much for talking to me. I was on the brink of suicide. I just could not see the point of life. I was so unhappy, so depressed, and I saw no way out until you talked to me. And then I got that little glimmer of hope, enough to look into it, enough to try it, enough to play with it, and then everything you know, took off step by step by step. And now they tell me they're a great success story. They're running their own business. They're married to their, you know, perfect sweetheart. And and I love hearing those stories. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'm sure there are listeners out there who will love to also get in, in touch with you and contact with you to maybe ask some more questions. Are there like the, some channels or the best way to get across to you to do this? Well, I wrote the book, The Sultan's Seven Secrets, for people. I need to get that out to millions of people. I can't retire until I've shared what's been given to me with a lot of other people. So I wrote the book. You can go download a digital copy of it right now for, if you go to sultans7secrets.com. So that sultans has an S at the beginning and an S at the end, then the number seven, secrets with an S at the beginning and an S at the end, .com. You can download a digital version and you can be speaking the language of the gods tonight. 
and all day tomorrow. And I promise you, that's how you seize control of your life and your future. Yes, yes. I encourage everyone to download this. The link will be in the show notes of this episode. I encourage you to just click on the link, download the book. I've gone through the, the digital copy myself. Also, I've gone through the digital copy myself, and I can promise you that it's wonderful. It even has spaces for you to take notes. I encourage you to maybe, if possible, print it out so you can physically write the notes and the spaces where you have to, you know, do some reflections and do some practices also thank you so much Dev. i really appreciate this conversation you've taught me so much i'm going to go back to the book read it again and then <laughs> start speaking the language of the of, of feelings of the gods and make my life even much better than now thank you so much thank you toby for letting me share this message with your people and uh, i just admire the work you're doing so keep it up thank you wow you made it to the very end of this episode Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.